Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming to our little Saturday night at the Jiva Disco. So we're at the 79th Anucheta. The 79th Anucheta is comprised of a series of verses from the Kumar's encounter with Jaya and Vijaya at the gate. And these Jiva uses these verses to bring out a deeper understanding of the meaning of the Lord and his internal Swarup Shakti. How the Lord... It, it's very, very... It's a very, very key section of the Bhagavat Sandarbha in that the main verse for the whole Tattva, Bhagavat, and Paramatma Sandarbha is Vidanti Tat Tattva Vidas Tattvam Yaj Janam Advayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Sabjate. So this Yajna, this Advayajnana, this non-differentiated absolute truth can be seen differently, but it doesn't take away from its nature of non-differentiated absolute truth. It's all pure spiritual existence, awareness, and enjoyment. It doesn't matter how you, that how a transcendentalist looks at it. We can't take that characteristic to, away. So even the Brahmavadi, Brahmati, who sees it as all, all pervasive spiritual energy which underlies everything, and whether he's looking at it from that viewpoint and that's his his ultimate aspiration is to enter into a pure consciousness of non-differentiation because all he can experience in the world of matter is a differentiation that creates anxiety, that is bore of death. That is ekapad vibhuti. It only has one aspect, and that is everything here comes to an end. So even for him, whether it be someone who, ha who only wants to turn off variety because he can't conceive of spiritual variety, because spirit is non-differentiated. But... It does have, if you can go deeper into the into the understanding and appreciation of Paramatmati, you can see well actually there is there is a non-differentiated he and I. There can be, and still they're one. They're still one. Or if you can go even further beyond just an, a reverential appreciation of the fact that I'm 
I'm certainly pure spirit in essence, but I'm not all spirit in essence. I am spirit, but I'm not all the spirit. There's more spirit out there than me, but now we're trying to measure spirit, and spirit's really unmeasurable. So then we come into a whole quandary of trying to apply material conceptions to something that is beyond all material conceptions. So there's some appreciation that the Brahmavadi just sees, well, it's all spirit and I'm all spirit and you know, there's no you can't you can't put any delimiters on it in any way. Once you put some delimiter on it, then you're bringing it into the the world of material consciousness, and it's that's you can't understand it in that way. Well, actually, there are deeper understandings than what they have. And then the the paramatmati, if the concept is that of paramatmati, then then there's an understanding that there's that there is another entity within that non-differentiated spirit that we are a part and parcel of and we can have some appreciation on that level and deeper in that is what is coming out here in these verses the kumars are getting a full picture now they're brahmavadis so they wanted to see they wanted to see the spiritualized form of their Brahman revelation, basically. We want to see the feet of the Lord. But they they had no idea what they were in for, really. And it it well, they weren't wearing socks, but if they would have been, it would have blown their socks off they they were so these are what these verses are, are talking about this revelation that the Kamars had and what Jiva is doing is he's milking this series of verses in the 79th Anucheta and bringing out all these deeper meanings that fortify the fact that the Bhagavan conception is the highest conception and the Kamars are further evidence of it. Now he's already brought forth Vasudev as an evidence of this. He's already explained that Vasudev under Narada's direction, entered into trance and saw the necessity. What did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. Vyasadev entered into trance and saw the necessity that Narada was speaking about. That I need to write the Bhagavatam again. And Sukadev, he's already brought out the, the fact that Sukadev was also on the same path as the Kumars. 
and completely satisfied in himself. And he also was drawn in by by this personalized conception as put forth in just verses of the Bhagavatam. These are completely self-satisfied. So the Kamars are also completely self-satisfied. So we can see how how Jiva is 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 doing his due diligence and and proving in the Bhagavat Sandarbha this essence of the deepest understanding of this pivotal verse. Vedanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yajjanam advayam that non-dual absolute. How is it non-dual and still exhibit duality and blissfulness and cognition and how can it do all that? Well, here's how it does it. This is how, this is how Krishna does it. So we we'll continue here with the 79th Anucheta, the second verse, the second evidentiary verse that Jiva puts forth. They beheld him as he arrived. Krishna's come on his own feet. He walked there. They wanted to see my feet. Well, if I walk there on my feet, maybe they'll, maybe I can, they're angry. I know they're angry. He's fully aware of what's going on at the gate, even though he wasn't there. He, he was, well, he's God, so he, he knew what was going on. So he walked there. And he walked there. In the last verse, not only did he walk there on his own feet, but he brought Lakshmi with him. So now the verses continue. The fulfillment of their trance having become apparent to their eyes. So their trance, their trance in Brahman is now becoming manifest before them in a form accompanied by his own associates who brought with them the paraphernalia for his service. He was being fanned by two whisks, swan-like in beauty the pleasing breeze of which shook the pearls that dangled from the white umbrella, appearing like drops of nectar falling from the full moon. So Jiva goes on, we've read some of his commentary, he goes on to to pull essence out of this description of Krishna's arriving with his associates who are serving him. And how significant this is in the revelation, the epiphany that that the Kumars are experiencing, because they're going through a they're going through a, a radical change from their their stand of non-dualism. It's a radical change to their consciousness. Now they're seeing the supreme Brahman, but they're starting to realize there's more here than we had conceived of. We understood that the Brahman could take a form, but we didn't really know what that entailed. So we came to Vaikuntha to find out. So the personal associates of the Lord constantly ministered. This is Jiva himself, his, his commentary. To the Lord with various paraphernalia that they had brought with them for that purpose. They did so in great loving bliss as they experienced the varieties of sweetness that arose 
spontaneously, moment to moment in him. As we explain, what Jeeva is showing here is the fact that there is there's a lot of of shared blissful consciousness between the servants and the Lord himself. So as the Lord is enjoying being served, his servants are so closely aligned with him, in concert with him, fully Krishna conscious of him and his feelings, that they are themselves enjoying the service they're giving as much as he's enjoying taking the service. So there, there is a reciprocation there. And the Kumars were somehow enabled to see this, although they were not in a position to themselves render service, they could begin to appreciate what was going on, the reciprocation that was 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 being exchanged. The Kumars were already aware, awake to the supreme wisdom of enlightenment. So the fact that they aspired thereafter to attain the consciousness and existential disposition of a servant of the Lord shows that these liberated servants from Vaikuntha, Vaikuntha are manifestations of some particular bliss potency of the Lord. Gradually, their consciousness is coming, they're going beyond the consciousness of Brahman revelation. They're becoming more than Brahmavadis now because they're, they're being attracted to bhakti. They had no exposure of bhakti before this, but now they're seeing, they're seeing firsthand there's something there in the in the in the Bhagavan Itis Bhagavan Since the Kumar's minds were suddenly thrown into a frenzy when their love for the Lord was aroused. So they they themselves are experiencing something, their mind. By seeing his dress, paraphernalia and entourage this shows that all these are transcendental and blissful like him. This will be explained over the next three and a half verses, beginning with the second half of this one. So the bliss of Brahmananda was completely overwhelmed by the beatific vision of the Lord. So now we have five verses coming up. And the commentator here says, Sachinarayan Das says, the paraphernalia used in, in, in the service to the Lord is transcendental, evident as, evident as the Lord's paraphernalia also caused upheavals of love in the hearts of the Kumars. So even seeing the, the, the whisk and the, and the umbrella and the, you know... Hmm? Yeah, uh, they were, they're starting to have a, a very, very, it's having a profound effect on them, this exposure to bhakti. 
Previously, they had been able to experience the Lord only in trance. But now, he who is imperceptible became the object of their vision. The next verse from the Bhagavatam. This Lord, smiling benevolently at all, being the abode of complete desirability, touched their hearts with his glances of affection. By the presence of the goddess of fortune, Sri, on his broad, black, beautiful chest, it appeared as though he were radiating well-being throughout his own abode, the chest jewel of heavens. Jiva goes on in his commentary on this verse. The world, the word all, here refers to both the gatekeepers and the sages. The Lord smiled beautifically at all of them as if to bestow grace upon all. The phrase, the abode of complete desirability, means that he is the ground and reservoir of all desirable attributes. This shows that these attributes are also of the same transcendental nature as him. Glances of affection indicate that his actions are also transcendental. All this, this is Jiva going on. All this confirms that Vaikuntha is of the nature of condensed eternality, consciousness, and bliss. This was also expressed earlier in this chapter where it was said they were extremely elated upon seeing Vaikuntha. And then the next chapter of the Bhagavatam, it goes on to say, after seeing the self-luminous Sri Vaikuntha, the pleasure of the eyes, and his abode Vaikuntha, the sages circumambulated the Lord, paid their obeisances, and took his permission to leave. Feeling delight in their hearts, they left Vaikuntha planet, eulogizing its transcendental magnificent. So here Jiva says that the Lord was pleased on seeing both the Kumars and the gatekeepers. Non wasn't there wasn't any favorability there. But in his Krama Sandarbha, which is Jiva Goswami's commentary on the Bhagavatam, however, Sri Jiva Prabhu says that the Kumars were completely satisfied on seeing the Lord, but that the gatekeepers, Jai and Vijay, were not feeling so content. <laughs> they didn't know if they pleased him or not. Uh, from the Bhagavatam, it says, These attendants of mine, Jaya and Vijaya by name, have committed a great offense against you due to ignoring me. But Vishwanath commentary on this same verse. The Kumars were doubtful, but their doubt was removed, being merciful to all. The Lord was bestowing his mercy upon all, but not apparently on the gatekeepers. So all just refers to the four Kumaras. Yeah. Though the Lord's mercy, this is again, this is from Vishwanath, 
Though the Lord's mercy did not hear explicitly fall on the gatekeepers, internally he was pleased with them. As is clear from another statement he makes later on. So this is from the 16th chapter. The Lord said to his attendants, Jaya and Vijaya, Go, but fear not. May peace be with you. Though I am capable of retracting the Brahmana's curse, I do not wish to do so. On the contrary, I approve of it. The Kumaras goes on. The Kumaras received a glimpse of the Lord's wonderful character by witnessing him extend his mercy to them. The Kumaras were unable to tolerate even a little disturbance. Their nature was such they were Brahmins, but and they were supposed to be equal, equal poised in all circumstance. But here when they were halted from going through the gate, seventh gate, they lost their composure. Yeah, um, and and they, they couldn't tolerate it, so much so that they, they cursed. This indicates that the Kamars lacked such qualities, even though they were perfected beings, Siddha Purusha. So the Brahmavadis can be perfect siddhas perfect in every way but almost <laughs> they don't compare with the bhaktas can we continue yeah this is a little confusing because if they were perf- perfect in, in the brahma if they that yeah, that being totally reposed, and I mean that—it's it, a stage of spiritual attainment. And mm-hmm. so the fact that you know they became angry—what I mean, would it be like the thing like with Perksha Maharaj becoming angry or something that it was part of the Lord's arrangement? Because it doesn't make sense that that would right. Be because like, earlier they're called Paramahansa Munis. Yeah. Siddha Paramahansa Moody's. All three terms are used. So it was out of character. So it it seems like that would not be possible unless, you know, just in the same way that Parikshit Maharaj became angry at Shamakarishi. Got attached to the deer. Yeah, that these things would be that Shobhana kind of special arrangement. For Leela, I mean, obviously, to glorify the devotees, too. and the Lord had a, a, a plan here with. Well, they're actually. This is. I think also what's what's being brought out here by Vishwanath's comment is the fact that this was a this was a lesson to them themselves. What the lesson is is they were being taught themselves. That well, we're we're the topmost. We're Paramahansas. We're, you know, we're the greatest Munis. We're, you know, we're Siddhas. We're perfect in every way. 
But we became disturbed and we were stopped at the gate. And we and we cursed Jaya and Vijaya. Because they were never stopped before. So. Well, right. They were never stopped under any circumstance. So we were stopped and we shouldn't have been stopped. Is their, was their feeling. There's nothing that we did wrong. Well, at the at this gate, the seventh gate, bhakti's required. So they were not fully aware of that, although they were fully aware of everything else. Um, but the what's coming to the fore here in their consciousness, they're realizing, wow, we we lost our composure. But these servants of the Lord didn't lose their composure, and we cursed them. So it's a it's a, it's a profound revelation that that's letting them go deeper into understanding the heart of bhakti. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's just you know, it's just kind of. I mean, you, you know, we hear about certain. You know, like Dravasamuni becoming angry, but obviously there was something, and again, is that Leela also? You know, if, one's, if someone is perfected in the, the um, Brahma Buddha platform, there wouldn't be, nothing could disturb them. That's what defines that, that state of consciousness. So they were perfected. So it just seems like it, there had to be something else. That's the ingress, yes. And what and we can see... We could be seeing that because they were being confronted with bhakti, which is full of emotion, you know, and, and that now they had a desire beyond just shanti shanti. They had a desire to see the Lord. So their anger could have actually have been, and I'm just playing this out, that their anger could have actually have been in relation to being prevented because they were, their bhakti was beginning to. And what brought their bhakti on? Right, so their bhakti is brought on by those very personalities who they cursed right yeah so in the beginning yeah that's yeah yeah so they i mean that that's all understandable but it's like the fact that they they were that they lost their composure had to be because of bhakti coming into their hearts because it couldn't have lost it because it was a, a karmic thing but going backwards it wasn't anger coming from a material it wasn't material anger couldn't have been. Right. Good. The Lord was adorned with a girdle that shone brightly over the yellow cloth covering his broad hips. And he wore a garland of fresh flowers that resonated with the humming of bees. His lovely wrists were graced with bracelets. One of his hands rested on Garuda's shoulder, and in the other he twirled a lotus. So, so this is the first mention that Garuda came. That he came on Garuda. No, he just said he was had his hand on his. No, right, he didn't come on Garuda. They, were, they, walked. they walked there. 
Yeah, he came with all those associates. In his Durgama Sangamini commentary to Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Jiva Goswami says that a garland that hangs all the way down to one's feet is called a Vanamala. Bumblebees were buzzing around the Lord's garland, making it appear to resonate. The Lord's dhoti considered his hips to be her exclusive domain. His belt imposed her supremacy over the dhoti, and the vana mala reigned over them both. But the humming bumblebees considered the vana mala to be their property. Thus, it appeared that the Lord had awarded supremacy to the bumblebees. It is no surprise then that they were humming in jubilation. <laughs> the Lord rested his left hand on the shoulder of Garuda and playfully twirled a lotus flower in his right. Vishwanath says that by doing so, so doing, the Lord was drawing the Kumar's lotus-like hearts away from Brahmananda. It was as though he were joking with them, saying, O oh, sages, you have already previously concluded that my unqualified and personal feature is the supreme reality. You've already come to, con to the conclusion of what is the topmost revelation. Why then have you now become so unsettled? Please remain fixed in your Brahman realization. <laughs> Narration continues from the Bhagavatam. His cheeks enhanced the beauty of his alligator-shaped ear pendants, which were, which were more brilliant than lightning. He had a predominant nose, and his head was covered with a gem-studded crown. A charming necklace hung between his stout arms, and his neck was adorned with the Kastuba gem. This verse further describes the Lord's ornaments and bodily features, which is obvious. The narration goes on. The exquisite beauty of the Lord seemed to create a doubt in the mind of his devotees, who thought that it subdued the pride of the goddess of fortune. The Kumars, their eyes uns unsated, bowed their heads to Bhagavan in great bliss who had taken this form for my Sri Brahma's sake and for Shiva and for all you gods. So Brahma's taking the narration back to explaining that, and all this was done for our benefit. What was our benefit? Our benefit in this regard is Krishna is, is well, Brahma is explaining to the demigods the nature for the upheaval in the universe. You're upset because Diti's got a couple demons in her womb. But really, you can relax now. So you can see from this narration, which I've told you, that everything's... Yeah, it's, it's happening for a reason. So he's really doing all this for our benefit, is what Brahma's saying. You can look at it that way. And again, we come back to the same. 
same central theme that there's no separation between the Lord and his devotees and his paraphernalia and his pastimes. It's all, it all fits together and the demigods have their place. And if you, if you have the right consciousness, you can see that the Lord satisfies everyone simultaneously and especially those that are his servants. So even the demigods by this narration and by what's about to take place with the appearance of Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakasipu and uh, the appearance of the Lord to counter them, it's all being arranged so that you can participate in, the, in this wonderful, you can see this and observe this wonderful pastime. Jiva continues, after explaining the transcendental nature of even the paraphernalia of the Lord, Brahma again describes his exquisite loveliness in this verse. The Lord's devotees conjectured that Lakshmi is in eternal is in eternal association with the Lord, her husband, whose beauty exceeds that of millions billions of cupids, and therefore she feels excessive pride for him. So a doubt may be raised. Jiva's raising his own doubt. If the Lord is of this nature, in other words, if he is the supreme existent and the most highly concealed, unfathomable treasure, then how can he become manifest to others even through the agency of Lakshmi? This is answered in the third quarter of the verse, beginning with the word Mahya. He manifested his form for the sake of his devotees, like myself, Brahma. This means that he chose to make himself visible to people like us, as Yamunacharya describes in his Stotra Ratna. O Lord, your most influential and powerful nature is beyond the limits of the three gunas, and there is no object that can equal or excel it. Although you keep it concealed by your maya, yet some unalloyed devotees always see it. The Kumaras saw the Lord with such attributes. After seeing him, they delightfully bowed their heads but their eyes remain satiated. So now they have a bit of a dilemma. They've seen the Lord and they've seen the loving affairs between the Lord and his devotees and bhaktis now arisen in them. And they're, they're, they're becoming, well, they're being converted. They've actually, you know, but they haven't yet come to the platform of, of a rendering of service. But that must, must come at some time in the future because in the future they start their own Vaishnav Sampradaya and Vaishnav meaning specifically Vishnu, service of, to Vishnu in his personal form, Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So, Are there any questions? Come to Shantaras at this point? 
Oh yeah, we can say that. Yes, I mean yeah, they're, because their appreciation of the form of the Lord certainly they're at that, but they weren't allowed to perform service, nor were they allowed to enter Vaikuntha. Well, they are performing service. They smelled a lot. I mean, just them. what they've just done there—they've—they've they've, they've been instrumental in making all of in pleasing this, the Lord in making this whole thing happen. They, you know, the Lord's using them. So, in a sense, they indirect. are indirectly. Right. But I do have a question because you're saying that the, the Kumaras were meditating on the form of the Lord before coming to Brahman. Well, there had to be some impetus for them to go to Vaikuntha to want to see the Lord. They were meditating on on the Brahman feature, but as we mentioned in the last class, the last class, Vishwanath brings out the fact. Okay, so in the last class we talked about Vishwanath brings out the fact that even the Brahmavadi, in order to attain his perfection, he has to have some bhakti. So in this in this one uh, commentary to the Bhagavatam, Vishwanath he he scolds them basically and said, "How can you do this? Because the Lord, in order you for you to 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 have some bhakti to attain your goal." of Brahman revelation, realization, to, to be complete in that and to merge into whatever you think you should merge, you have to do some bhakti, and in doing that, you experience the form of the Lord. And in experiencing the form of the Lord, you are overwhelmed with ecstasy. And then he uses the wording that in being overwhelmed by ecstasy, it doesn't, you remove your mind from the form of the Lord like a hook. And this goes to show that the hook of your heart is made of iron because anybody else, when they see the form of the Lord, their heart melts. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, so they actually did see the form of the Lord because it says in that verse. You in said in one of the verses in the meditation. So, so how is that possible? So actually, so and because they're the Brahma see a form. They see it, but they they, they don't think it's the primary. It's just like the gopis see Narayan, and they ask for, "Have you seen Krishna?" And the Lakshmis in Vaikuntha see Krishna and say, where's Narayan? But he's rightly there in front of him acting like Krishna or taking on the form of Krishna. Yeah, so even though they're experiencing ecstasy, they, they just yeah, they, they, they don't. They, they, they're <laughs> they so think focused. It's Maya, they think that's, that's Maya. It's yeah. Maya. They're so focused on the goal that this is, this is something Maya, I don't want this. I have to get rid of this emotion. Yeah, this is a deviation from my path. Yeah. So interesting. Thank you so much for your association. Bye.